of the Roach Coach Podcast, The Journey to Create the New Metal Canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, the Indigo Angel, Jennifer Bloomer. Hello. And the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go. Today, we're starting off this special theme summer with an album that really we were born to do, you guys. It was fate. It was destiny. It's Family Values 98 live the live album chronicling this important tour in the history of new metal if we're going to do a new metal podcast which we are which we have been doing and will continue to do our lives work our lives work we got to do this album so we will be talking all about that today but first we've got to talk about a few things the first who has a new album who has a new album who does so our boys in Rammstein. 10 years not releasing anything they decide 2019 it's happening it's our year they put out a brand new record self-titled they had some videos a little controversial deutschland came out chronicling the entire history of germany all the way into the future you know what i listened to it and uh it's uh it's all right it's pretty it's uh it's not new metal decidedly not new metal it's just a lot of hot riffs and uh, Rammstein being Rammstein. If I were to really give it a one-sentence review on one song called Sex, Till says sex, the word sex, as he does, and then he laughs. So you know what you're in for, everybody. I saw it at the record store. Freshly printed vinyl copy. Mm. Wow. Left it there in the rack for <laughs> true fan. It's very kind of you. Very kind of you. Someone else who has a new album, Our Boys in Super Heist. <laughs> they dropped a new record. They are very proud of this record. It's called Sidewinder. I gave it a listen. Let me just tell you this. Run it down, Lauren. Nine tracks. 36 minutes. Fucking perfect. Ripper. These guys run through everything. They try every style. They're doing new stuff. They're doing old stuff. They're trying it all out. And I'd say 90% of the time, it works. And when it doesn't work, it's not so much that they made a mistake. It's that uh, they were just experimenting, figuring it out. And DW, DW Horton, posted on their Instagram. He said this. He posted a picture of himself. On the day the album was released, he said, My name is Richie D.W. Norton. For the last 25 years, I've been the guitarist and songwriter for Australian heavy rock band Super Heist. I started the band in 93 with my great lifelong friend Rod Berger McLeod. released our first cassette in 94. Since then, the band has gone through many incarnations, experienced the highs and lows of the music industry, and even took a lengthy hiatus in the mid-2000s only to return in 2016. On May 3rd, 2019, we will release our fourth full-length studio album, Sidewinder. The album was made by myself and my band of incredibly talented musicians and even better human beings. My brother-in-arms, Kier Gotcher, my dear friend and Man Mountain, Simon Durant, my international man of metal, and the best drummer I've found, John Sankey, and last but certainly not least, 
the best front man in the business, and a true rock legend, Ezekiel Ox. Oh, yeah. Side- Sidewinder is the first record by Super Heist that was 100% written, played, produced, recorded, mixed, and released by us with no outside influence, funding, or interference. And for the first time in 25 years, I feel like we finally have the record we were meant to make. I can't express how proud I am of this album. We finally sound how I've always wanted us to sound. Through good times and bad, Super Heist have prevailed, in my opinion, and have released the most defining album of our career. Thanks to everyone who stuck by the band and kept their minds and ears open, followed us through the ages, or found us somewhere along the way. I feel blessed to still be making music as Super Heist. So cheers to all that have been on board the heist train across the years, either full band members or touring members. And then he lists every single person who has ever been in the band, living and deceased. Which is very nice. Very nice. ends Ends it with a hashtag Super Heist, hashtag grateful. Hashtag thank you. Indeed. Thank you, DW. Uh, so, yeah, if you have not heard the new Super Heist record, I highly recommend it. If you go to their website, they list themselves as basically the Australian kings of new metal. And I am not one to disagree. Nope. Mm-hmm. Jenny, we've also got something else. We do. It's called um, Who Has New Masks? Who Has New Masks? Who does? Jenny, it's who has uh, new masks? Slipknot. <laughs> That's right. the, these nerds did it again. Uh, they've got new masks. They certainly do. <laughs> I don't really know what to say about these masks, <laughs> other than that they exist. And they um, are new. Yeah, we had a we had a bit of a text thread when these masks and and the new single dropped. Matt, you had some hot ta- you had a hot take on Corey's new mask. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can find that really quickly. Um, Because when I saw it, I was like, oh, boy, guys, this mask. (laughs) Maybe the worst Corey mask ever. (laughs) That's my take. Yes. So um, over on LouderSound.com, they uh, they basically have a rundown of every single mask and with comparisons to the previous masks um, that they had during the gray chapter. I think uh, they've got some good ones for the Corey mask. They said, upon first look, most fans aren't particularly impressed by this incarnation with some commenting that it's, quote, garbage. And he looks, <laughs> quote, like a chipmunk. The comically oversized cheeks and roll neck scarf to help disguise them are perhaps not helping such reactions. One Reddit user commented that it looks like a bloated corpse that's been pulled fresh out of the river, which is perhaps more of the vibe he was going for. However, we think he's a victim of rather extreme facial plastic surgery and is left rotting underneath a transparent plastic see-through healing mask, a la Eyes Without a Face. Jenny, thoughts on Corey's new mask? Um, It looks like... I mean, it's gross. So okay. going for gross, got it. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. It looks like wax paper. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like somebody who somebody like put away in a freezer for too long. My mm-hmm. main exception with this ar- like uh, article's argument is that the mask from the gray chapter was cooler or looked better somehow. That just looks like a straight up Halloween USA mask. Yeah, after. The, the pick they have here does not do this mask any favors. Yeah, the new mask 
looks if he's going for like his spoopy boy thing it looks much more scary so mm-hmm. yeah we don't need to run through all of these i thought clowns was i mean basically just a streamlined silver mask it's immensely um, nerdy yeah he went from being like i'm a weird clown to being like i'm a t2000 clown or whatever <laughs> that yeah. thing is like okay no mechanical clown i don't think so uh, yeah, uh, Jim Root basically did not change his mask at all, and I have no problem with that, dude. He, he uh, I watched the Kimmel set. I watched okay. him do the new song, the two new songs on Kimmel, and my dude's stage presence in this mask is on point. Okay. Like he just looks menacing. He's killing it. <laughs> He looks like a guy who's like getting a divorce and is also the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> but like, <laughs> right? Yeah. But he's like, I'm a cool Phantom, though. All right. Right. But Whatever. then, he, but then he can like shred. <laughs> so. Yeah. I no. None of what I'm saying has anything to do with their their but like beca- proficiency as a musician or band. No, I don't think he would look as cool without being able to like hit a hit a lick and then like have that. I'm so fucking cool look on his face. It really pushes it over. Mm-hmm. Check out the beginning of uh of the Kimmel performance and you'll see exactly what I mean cuz he's like lost weight and um they all have new outfits instead of the jumpsuits that are kind of more like mm-hmm. suits. So, there we oh. go. Showing well, off that bod, phantom hey. bod. Oh. <laughs> It says, <laughs> more, it I didn't even read this article and I just see that it said Phantom of the Opera. I feel seen. I feel seen. Well, well on top of that, with, with louder sound says it's undeniably the sexiest mask, but not exactly the scariest. I don't. Yeah. Like I definitely am getting some like sexual energy from this new <laughs> Jim Root situation. So, well, I mean, who, I mean, the Phantom of the Abra kind of sexy. Yeah. Get in that yeah. gondola and go to his lair. That's right. Uh, next up, we have Sid Wilson. Of course, Sid, uh, when he was doing the gray chapter, was going for like a gimp suit, almost kind venomous. of a Mortal Kombat robot yeah. character. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I can't remember that character's Cyrax? name. He's in Mor- yeah, in Mortal Kombat 3. Man, that's good, Matt. That's real good. Um, he's done a complete 180 with this one. Um, he looks like Emperor Palpatine. Mm-hmm. from star star wars um but as the dj he's got these draping sleeves i feel like that's an occupational hazard i almost feel like his it doesn't look like he's wearing a mask mm-hmm. but then it, well, yeah, yeah. it looks like he's also wearing a mask because his face looks so fake in it there's teeth is it the teeth the teeth the teeth throw it off there's no way those are his real teeth but I mean, he really, I mean, that's a move. I mean, everybody else is like, I'm just going to put a mask on. And he's like, I'm going to really have to wear like what? I mean, prosthetics, prosthetics and fake teeth and these long drapey sleeves. So, yeah. Uh, Mick Thompson, don't mess with success. This is, um, <laughs> you know, it's as they put it, it's essentially identical. There's nothing to change. Mick, Mick knows what he's doing. This is a killer mask. Great mask. Yeah, I like that he basically talks shit on all the other people in Slipknot about it. And he says, 
If you know who you are, you don't need change. I think I pretty much nailed it with this one for being able to get across how I am. Whew. So. <laughs> Fuck you. Wow. One, one. Zero through seven. Uh, I just I just see like they have the band meeting and they're like, we're going to do new ma- new mask, Mick. And Mick's like, you're doing new masks. Um, next, we have Alessandro Venturella, who uh, took Paul Gray's place. Um, his mask, very arty. Lots of interesting designs. I don't even know if I necessarily say it's scary. It's very ornate. So our f- your first reaction was mm-hmm. two burned guys? <laughs> That was my first reaction when I looked at a group photo. Now now looking closer, I can tell that, yeah, he's got an ornate metal mask on. And thus, not a burned guy. Uh, my mistake. Might be burned underneath. Good point. You don't know. I don't know. Um, I do know. I do like that a louder sound says that it is a uh, reminiscent of a medieval iron mask executioner, albeit with a little more flair crossed with a Lucha Libre. He's replaced the formerly zipped-up mouth with a square grill. This is the type of journalism that I want. I want to just give a quick shout-out to Louder Than Louder Sound for commissioning this great article. Jay Weinberg, who is the uh, most recent drummer in the band, he had a zipper mouth. Yeah, and another guy who abandoned face. a zipper mouth. And now it's got a... Is this like a cage mouth? It's like a man-in-the-iron-mask feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you caught this, Matt, in the video, but didn't there seem to be a moment where this guy lost his mask and he had to put it back like it was shifting off his face and he had to shift it back while he was drumming? Did you catch that moment? Oh, during Kimmel? No, not Kimmel. And in the video, like the mu- actual music video for... Um, oh, no, I did not catch that. Oh, yeah. It's a brief moment. And I I thought maybe I was mis misinterpreting like a like a cool hand move but it really seemed like the mask was falling off his face and he had to shift it back into place and apparently that was the best take they had i could be wrong jay let us know craig 133 jones <laughs> he once again no reason to mess with classic success. 133 but i wrote down uh could i get a helmet of spikes but uh make a mohawk of the spikes i still want side spikes but i need longer spikes in a mohawk please Yes, I want to just show that I'm doing my spikes in a special way. I'd also like to order a mask yeah. called Smash Thumb with Zipper Mouth, please. <laughs> so basically, as as you may know, longtime listeners know, fans of Slipknot know Chris Fane, number three, no longer in the band. He has been replaced with someone who's only called Mystery Guy here in this article. He is also famously the um, the dick-nosed member of Slipknot. The new person, they have a burn face. And uh, it's suitably creepy. Yeah, it's probably the creepiest one. I'd say so. It's very uncomfortable. I'm looking at both these photos they have here, and they are uncomfortable to look at. There looks to be perhaps some infection. And I like this. When will they reveal the identity of this dermatologically diseased new custom percussionist? The mystery (laughs) continues. Wow. So, uh, and uh, you know what? Shouts to Alice Patillo, who wrote this article. Thank you, Alice, for this work. And I guess we should briefly talk about the song. Um, Jenny, did you listen to the new song? Absolutely not. Okay, we'll Matt. We'll get to it when we get oh. to it here. <laughs> okay. Matt, um, I know you listened to it. What did you think? 
it's new Slipknot. It, mm-hmm. it is. I thought parts of it were really catchy. I thought other parts of it were overwrought and kind of overblown. But um, I thought it was okay. I, I did not like. I know some of the reactions were turn this shit off immediately. Um, the clean vocals, I think, will uh, keep Jenny uh, exactly where she is on Slipknot. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching it on Kimmel, it does rip. Uh, they, there's full on pit. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel live. So that was cool to see on TV. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, all right. I think my one qualm is that they seem to have decided to do metalcore production drums, which have a little bit more of this weird sort of metallic crack to it that doesn't sound like a normal snare that I'm. I, some days of the week, it just doesn't work for me. Um, so I'm not thrilled about that decision, but I it wasn't exactly a deal breaker. Uh, it did actually send me back. I went and listened to about half of The Grey Chapter, which is an album I thought was pretty good at the time, but I never really revisited. And that thing's got a lot of crushers on it. I had forgotten. Um, so, yeah. And now, guys, we got to talk about who's tweeting. Who's tweeting? Who is? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so way back when we did an episode on At the Drive-In. Holy shit, what was that? Oh, man, I don't know, 2014. Um, <laughs> and uh, and we uh, we had some feedback on it. Jenny, why don't you start this off for us? Uh, over on Facebook, Soren says, This album was the soundtrack to my bus ride to and from the Danish equivalent of high school for three years. Very happy to see you take it on. Great album, great episode. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, Timothy John Henderson says, how this album slipped my mind when it came to considering Russ Robinson albums is beyond me. Me and my buddies rocked this album so much in high school. I can remember us driving around town blasting Arc Arsenal just because we could. Metal Fingers. I also got really into In Casino Out after this record, so thanks for reminding me to go back and revisit it. That album is damn good, just like this one is. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you. Chris Freeman says, I personally love this theme month, so this is one listener that is on board. My guess is this album is the episode that will turn public opinion around. Great album, great up. Thank, Thank you, you, Chris. And you know what? How right was Chris about this? Because the very next comment is from Nick Fenton, who said, the best thing about this episode is that it's one closer to the end of this godforsaken month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Might have been. Keeping them satisfied. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Alejandro says, I'm so jealous of Lauren being able to see at the drive-in and rage against the machine on the same bill. Those are two bands I've never seen live. I have to agree with the timeless statement of this album. I can listen to it any year and it still feels fresh after every listen. One last request. Can every March be Ross Robinson appreciation month? You know, (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm not sure. Uh, Daniel Hedger said, great ep as always. Matt brings up an important point when it comes to Ross. After the new metal explosion of Corn and Limp Biscuit, Ross felt like he'd created a monster he didn't want anything to do with anymore. That's why he did an album like this. And then, presumably next week's album, Glassjaw's debut album, you are correct. Uh, he said at the time that these bands with his involvement were what was going to kill new metal once and for all. Ross hopped off the train really early. All right. Jax Lawson says, OMG, the love is mutual, y'all. Also, who are these cake-eating fairweathers dipping about theme month? <laughs> yeah, I'm calling y'all out. Wake up, sheeple. 
you a Roach Rider for life or just a Roach Rider for when I might like the album? Because we all know how new metal uh, we all know how new metal feels about posers. If you can't handle me at my producer spotlight month, you don't deserve me at my Juggalo Hundo. Also, I want to do a Twin City scene report from the IZB Mushroom Head Fury Fest show, but I'm afraid I'll get tired and skip it at the last minute because I'm old. Hey, relatable content for me right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, Jax, for the comment. Jason Andrew Goodman says, Your new metal math got me thinking. Have you given any thought to touching on bands lost early albums? Stuff like Slipknot's Mate Feed, Kill Repeat, or P.O.D.'s Brown and Snuff the Punk? Is Fundamental Elements of Southtown P.O.D. 1 or P.O.D. 3? Wow. Oh, man. Um, we haven't given that too much thought. I don't know. If there's a compelling case to be made, I know some people have upped those P.O.D. albums. I haven't really... There's been no push for us to do any early Slipknot. I don't even think I've heard this Mate Feed Kill Repeat album. So I believe, though, Fundamental would be POD3 if it is their third album. I agree. I don't know if we do want to. Okay, we don't want to go down this road again. Okay. All right. Over on Twitter, Box Boron. Oh, I guess I'm going to compliment myself here. Uh, Jenny is bang on about Relationship of Command, only fully appreciated how insanely brilliant it is as an adult. Wow, that was a great reading on my part. As a dean, it blew my mind, and now I think it's a masterpiece. Saw them last year, and quarantine was absolutely outrageous. How about the Battle of L.A.? Hashtag. Hashtag. God damn it. Hashtag Roach Rider for life. I'm dead. Uh, You're dead. But let's come back to life. Oh, man. I mean, we'd love to do another Rage album. They've only really got, got four. Matt. You wouldn't be upset if we did Emp- Evil Empire, right? No, not at all. <laughs> I think I think everybody would be okay if we did yeah, Evil Empire. I think they'd be fine with that. Thank you so much, Box Boron, for the comment. And lastly, on Instagram, Bake Jolik said, "Hot up." Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. That is it for who's tweeting. Keep on saying hello on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Give us a like. Give us a share. Send us an email, roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, go to roachcoach.com for everything Roach Coach, all the shows, going back to episode one, episode five, episode 12. They're all there. They're all there. The album of the week, Family Values 98. Jenny, when did this album come out? This album was released on October 15th. Oh, no, it wasn't. October. I'm sorry. March 30th, 1999. Now, if you were wondering when it was recorded, that would be October 18th of 1998 and October 31st of 1998. But you had to wait till the sweet spring of 99 to get this record. Wait. There you have it. What was the date again? One more time. The I'm sorry. Which of the several dates? The, the, release the date, date of release. Uh, March 30th, 1999. So getting the party started. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. What a party, man. Yeah. Family values. Mm-hmm. So who went? Because I did not. I was a straight no bueno. That was not going to That was not gonna happen for me. Uh, in 1999, I was not allowed <laughs> to go to concerts. So I did not go. But I was pissed. And I wanted to go. <laughs> Lauren. Uh, I um I wanted to go. I thought about how great it would be to go. I did not go. 
but just I mean, like your choice, you didn't go. I had no money and mm. no vehicle. I was yeah, and and also I didn't really. I knew like one other person who I was decently good friends with that maybe I could have gone with, but other than that, all my other friends did not listen to new metal, and so it would have been a would have been a hard sell. It would have been a hard sell. So. Um, actually at that point, I'm trying to think if I'd even gone, no, I think, I think I went to my first concert in like 97 or 98, which was Beck, uh, Garbage, Marcy's Playground, Placebo, and Everlast. Wow. Um, Yeah, it was the night 89X stole Christmas, hosted by Kid Rock. Well, of course. There you go. There you have it. That's yeah. much better than my first uh, concert, which was oh. the Black Crows and ZZ Top. Uh, ZZ Top are good. I, I think ZZ Top Live is a fun time. The Black Crows. Okay, here's... Sorry. Oh. I, I have to tell this story it, even if I've it, told it, it, it before. The Black Crows were supposed to go on at like 8. They come on 8.45. They're drunk and they're terrible. And my dad is pissed. They they finish, ZZ Top comes on and crushes and all is forgiven. The next time ZZ Top comes to town, my dad buys tickets again for the family. And George Thorogood is, and the Destroyers are playing. Eight o'clock, the lights go down. Thorogood plays for 30 minutes in, out, crushes. And my dad looks at us and goes, that's how it's done. Not those fucking black. He's been holding on to this hatred wow. of the black crows. It's like that's a professional. Can't blame. Can't blame your dad. I've been at shows where that has happened, and it is mm. just—it's infuriating. Mm-hmm. I just Jenny. saw Lizzo nine o'clock on ten thirty off. Boom! Wow. There you go, Jenny. What was your first concert? Um, I'm pretty the first concert that i remember i i think it was the hippos and mxpx because i had to like really campaign my mom to go i like had joined the hippos fan club and i was like i am part of their fan club they sent me an email i need to go uh so my mom took me and uh my best friend and a couple of our other friends and then my mom made friends with the tour manager of mxpx and they used to send me a bunch of stuff made friends with i don't think she boned him or anything but like she was just like yeah i gave him our address he's gonna send you some stuff i'm like how did you do that (laughs) Uh, they're great guys yeah wow there you go so yeah amazing i got all sorts of stuff in the mail uh but yeah that was the first one i recall after that we went to see the hippo several times and uh, the same band the outsiders from around here would open up all became friends with my mom. <laughs> they like remembered my mom every time. <laughs> like, what? I don't. I don't in any way want to know why. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Um. So, uh, we've got a number of bands on this album. Do we want to list them, or do we want to just hit them as we go through? What do you think? I say let's hit them as we go. That sounds okay. exciting. That sounds exciting. Uh, producer, we do have producers on this album. Jenny, we got two names there. Who we got? We do. Well, the first one I can tell you is Josh Abraham. The second one is Jeff Quat- Quatinitz. Why not? 
yeah, uh, we know Josh. Josh is a producer of so many things: Limp Biscuit, Stained, um, just all over the place. Uh, Jeff um, looks like uh, he was a uh, long-term partner with One Ice Cube, um, a former CEO of the firm. So I think that makes sense there. And then this might be the most genre tags we've ever had for an album. It's a lot. We've got new metal, alternative metal, hip-hop, rap metal, funk metal, industrial rock, electronic rock, and uh, I don't know how to pronounce this last one. Um, just want to give it a shot. It's, I believe it's a new, new Deutsch Hart, which is the new German hard. Uh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, I think it's Rammstein. Yeah, that yeah. okay. We'll tell you one. We'll get one you get. This uh, album was accompanied by a VHS and DVD live video that you could watch in your home. A friend of mine, a uh, former classmate of my wife, went to medical school with her. He sent me a box. It was this new metal care package. He said, for your show. And it had tapes of Rammstein, tapes of Corn, and it had a tape of Family Values Tour 98. Of course, the great catch on that is you need a VCR. Didn't really have a working VCR. My father has a VCR to DVD converter. He converted this tape for me just this past weekend to DVD. I watched most of it before we started recording. You know, they're just a bunch of kids hanging out. We'll talk about some of the things I saw as we go through the album. But I think we're ready to just dive into this thing. All right, let's do it. First track, intro. And these are just little interludes. Yeah. We've got these C minus doing these. I think we can probably skip to the next track. Yep. Which is New Skin by a little band called Incubus. getting separated no shirts smoke fucking everywhere endo stank in the air mm-hmm. just a mellow mood right now going for enunciation um with that one and it's a it's something that i noticed across much of this is that this is a very raw sounding album mm-hmm. and it definitely uh and especially watching the video uh the video actually has 
completely, uh, mostly completely different performances and songs than are on the DVD or on the CD, um, which I guess makes them both more collectible and appealing. You get got to get them both if you want to get the full experience. Yeah. Um, but uh, and also uh, Incubus is not on the tape; they're only on the uh, CD. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Uh, I mean, it was it's just sort of like a. I mean, Incubus Live. I, I don't know. Jenny, thoughts on this one? Um, I, I I had this album and I was real into it. Um, well, I was real into the idea of getting the album and the idea of the Family Values Tour. Um, but when I actually listened to it, I remember I this was a real skipper for me. I skipped around quite mm-hmm. a bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I was never super, super into Incubus except for Make Yourself. But it kind of sounded like shit to me, but I think that's just most live albums sound like shit to me. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm not okay. really much of a live album person. Sorry. Probably oh. just like lost a lot of, a lot of respect <laughs> from people. But if somebody's performing something live that is intended to be recorded live and is in a situation that is suited to do so then i think i like it but this really feels like they were just like i guess we'll record a couple dates and we'll, we'll make another merch we'll make more merch out of it yeah some of the some of the songs on this i think sound great this isn't one of them for me yeah it's just kind of really just rough sounding it's not even like it's the worst performance ever it's just it's interesting because um, the sequencing on the album, I assumed, was the sequencing of how everybody performed, uh, but that is not the case according to the tape. I think we maybe uh, skirted around this, but uh, this is a uh, Korn's tour. Mm-hmm. Korn basically came up with this to promote the release of Follow the Leader, and uh, they chartered a jet, Korn did, which took them to record stores in such cities as Riverside, California, Sacramento, Seattle, Minneapolis, Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia, Boston, New York City, Toronto, Atlanta, and Dallas. Band talking to fans at every stop, answered questions during special fan conferences, and signed autographs. Celebrities at various stops included Tom McFarlane. Let me tell you, if I'd been at that, I would have lost my mind. Would have lost wow. my mind. Corn and Tom McFarlane in one place. Me in 1998. Ugh, be over. All right. I think we can ready to uh, dive. What do we have next? Up next, we've got interlude number one and to dissension by a band known as Orgy. All right, I think we get it. Yeah. Now this one is origin. <laughs> Going nuts. Yeah. Blue lights. 
Red lights. came to rock you guys that's what i was gonna say i'm like wow what a straight ahead rock performance of that song yeah they sound they sound good they sound this is a hot track this is a hot performance right here i was very surprised when this came out i went oh okay plus i was so ready to hear one of the singles and instead you got an album track and uh yeah i thought they sounded really good jenny i think they sound good too i am not a huge orgy person as mm-hmm. listeners of the show will know but it sounded better than incubus and that to me sounds a little bit better than the record because it's a little bit i mean electronic music especially in the late 90s had a problem of sounding really thin mm-hmm. and uh that sounded pretty full to me uh i don't want to spoil anything but Orgy might be one of the fuller sounding bands on this album for whatever reason. That is true. Yes. Um, so yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised with this. Watching the a video of their performances, um, they do perform Stitches and Revival with Jonathan Davis on the tape. Jonathan Davis, it's like, hey, can you come out and do this song with us? And Jonathan Davis is like, I will, but I will be wearing shorts and a t-shirt. I will not be dressing up in any way. He does look literally like he came from craft services. I was like, oh, I got to do a song with RG. I'll be right back. I'm going to put my plate right here. Nobody touch it. Make sure nobody touches this plate for me, please. Eight fielding? Yeah. 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 D- double fielding. Double oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm James Fieldy. Oh, you're I'm f- Stephen Fieldy. <laughs> you're okay, the real uh, Fieldy. Fieldy. Oh. All right. Either way, can you guys just make sure that no one takes my little chicken chicken legs i just i have to do a song with orgy real quick i'll be right back i just i would hate for you guys because we're all a young band for you to play a prank and take my chicken legs so just please both fieldies will you not take them that's a it's a fieldy promise yeah that's a fieldy promise thank you so much i love you guys um can somebody hand me a five to six string bass please (laughs) I need 150 string bass. (laughs) 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 All right. Next up, what do we got, Jenny? We have Gender, still by Orgy. So that's the thing that I'd never seen this track list before. So I didn't know how how they were going to do it. So it looks like they basically give all the bands some form of vignette. Yes. So it's between one and four songs per band. Uh, between each, we have a little interlude by C minus. So, uh, the next song by Orgy. Should we just listen to the songs by the band, get some little pieces of it, and then discuss? I think that's the way to go. All yeah. right. So let's let's hear a little bit of Gender, and then a little bit of Blue Monday, and then we'll discuss. Perfect. Here we go. Yeah. 
There's that hit I was looking for. There it is. So it's called Blue Monday. They know. This is a once you pop can't stop song, so I'm gonna have to pull it back here. Because <laughs> right. once we get rolling, I might not be able to stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jenny, overall thoughts on the orgy section of the album? Um, I I remember really liking Dissension when I was when I got this in '99, um, and Blue Monday I was into as well. Listening to it now uh, with the enhanced well, that sounds weird with the knowledge i have of orgy now <laughs> your enhanced I, knowledge my enhanced ol- knowledge of orgies um i i guess I <laughs> there was, it is yeah <laughs> right just yeah got that hot orgy knowledge oh yeah so much oh ask me anything about orgy. ama orgy <laughs> that's right uh they they sounded really good i was surprised by how good they sounded um and I I didn't really like gender that much to be honest. Like I could have done without it. But I thought Dissension and Blue Monday both sounded great. They were fun. Sound like the crowd was having a great time. Lauren, what do you think? Uh yeah, I thought this was um a very strong section of the album. Dissension really is is a, really sounds great. Blue Monday, the drums are on point. This is a very good recording of this song. On the tape, they do Blue Monday, Stitches, and Revival, as I said, and they are in total promo mode uh, when they are doing this performance. They are like basically like, this is our shot. We need to make sure people know who we are. So actually, when they start Stitches, uh, Jay Gordon says, this is our new single. It's on the radio. Like, hey, please check this song out. We're trying real hard over here. And uh, what was interesting, though, is there are little vignettes on the tape behind the scenes, goofing around, hanging out, little interviews. Everybody's having a good time, but there's a scene where they're horsing around in what appears to be a shared dressing room of Orgy and Rammstein. And they start breaking something, and Jay Gordon's like, hey, all right, let's quit it. And I was like, what? So then, of course, they don't quit it. They start breaking the... um, I don't know, the drywall or something in the ceiling. Chunks of ceiling are falling down. And then one of the members of Rammstein eats the ceiling. <laughs> and then, uh, and I said, this is this is what I love about these guys. And everyone kind of booed Jay Gordon when he was like, hey, everybody chill out. And was like, excuse me? I signed up for it. the rock and roll lifestyle. Thank you exactly. very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and then there's a quick shot of two girls that wandered back, and then they are, um, like, I don't know, I can only call it half-heartedly licking each other's nipples. Like, they're not really sure why they're doing it. They're <laughs> just sort of like, I guess this is what we do back here. I've and seen one a of, Motley Crue video once. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the background, you see two of the Rammstein guys, and they sort of look over, and then they're just like, they continue talking. Like, I almost felt like this isn't crazy enough for them. That's not what they're into. <laughs> now, if they was, if those nipples were squirting milk. <laughs> oh, boy. 
and one and she was dripping fire. Yeah, this isn't even a German accent. I don't know no. what this accent. That's, that's I don't the, know what that is. That's the inner monologue of a member of Rammstein. <laughs> I'm the inner voice of your Rammstein. That's exactly right. Well, that sounds about right. The half-heartedly licking nipples or no? I think that it's about time we continue on into our next section of this album. Af- Limp Biscuit section. That's right. After interlude number two, you're going to be hit by Cambodia. Faith and jump around. America. I guess it would be nice if I could touch your body. I know not That's a bad boy. Come on, guys. As let this play a little bit. This one takes a turn. <laughs> it does. How many of you people remember the House of Pain? Uh, I, do. I do. Me. I do. Pick me. I want to bring out my man Poe from Child Elements. And my man Easy Rock from the Rocksteady Crew. 
We're in the arena. Thumbs up or thumbs down. Oh, the corn, the corn shout out made it a, a thumbs down for Matt. And that does conclude the Limp Biscuit section of Family Values Tour 98. Lauren. What are your thoughts? With Cambodia, I was thrown in so many directions. So it starts off, they don't start with Cambodia. They start with basically what is, I guess, is the early version of, is that I'm broke from Significant Other? Or, no, it's not I'm broke. It's it's a song from Significant Other that for some reason I'm forgetting right now. So they start off very hot, very exciting. Then when they actually go into Cambodia, which I believe is Show Me What You Got? on significant other i think it has a name change fred's like doing these sort of i don't know almost i don't want to say stream of consciousness they're clearly pre-written but like these just sort of weird rap verses but then they've got the hot drops in there i enjoyed it very much i wrote the drops here are fire and then i wrote and i don't know why i wrote this i wrote is this important but i don't know why i wrote that (laughs) i don't know i guess i was just asking myself like is this like a important document of the sound but yeah i i very much enjoyed that performance which is also on the tape faith i wrote you had to be there that really it feels like if you were there it was amazing on tape it's it's not great it's uh yeah yeah it to me felt like a strug throughout yeah. it's a real struggle. yeah yeah i mean his voice is pretty shot it sounds like it yeah I think I mean, it was late in the show. On the tape, they do Faith Counterfeit Jump Around in Cambodia. And the counterfeit performance is pretty good. But it is pretty clear that this is very early on. Fred is, yeah, like screaming, yelling, like, yeah, I don't think he's figured out exactly voice. I don't know. I don't I, I doubt he has a vocal coach at this point, um, which I assume everybody has at this uh at, at some point in their career. God knows um, I do. I know you do, Jenny. Matt, I know you have a vocal coach that you see all the time. Yep. And I gotta course, I gotta take care of this vocal fry. It's pretty bad. You do. I do want to mention uh the video does show that Limp Biscuit is coming out of a flying saucer. Uh they enter um that and they have um alien statues on the stage. Wes is dressed in a I believe a gorilla costume that he sheds halfway through and then plays the rest of the set in his underwear um ladies ladies (laughs) ladies ladies and uh most interesting according to the tape limp biscuit opens what a time yeah that makes sense for the time yeah because what was this this was still like counterfeit this is 98 98. three dollar bill y'all yeah yeah this is them building that groundswell i think that's Mm -hmm. probably why they got so much more time on the album because right. by the time it's released, it's much later, and they've they've picked up a lot of popularity. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting also on the tape is that for being the guys of the opener, they've got a pretty decent amount of people. I mean, obviously, Fred is like, there's not enough people on the floor. We need some more people on the floor. But there's still a lot of people in that pit um, for an opening. I mean, for essentially who is the opener. The jump around, very weird. Like the fact that you put two covers 
on on the uh, on the album. A little surprising, and they do perform it with break dancers um, dancing around them. Yeah, I mean, I think Cambodia's killer. Interesting snapshot. Jenny, your thoughts? I agree with pretty much everything you said. I liked Cambodia. I felt like Faith was real rough to just listen to. Mm-hmm. Jump around. You know, something about then and now, I don't need to hear the song Jump Around. I don't need to watch anybody cover the song Jump Around. I think I'm good on... I've been good on Jump Around for a while, so not not so much for me. And I, I guess, like, considering how good good orgy sounded i was a little surprised at how they sounded and it sort of made me wonder if over the years they've become like much more proficient like performers because when we saw them they were great and i wonder if there was like something about at this time they were still like really refining how they performed because it just seemed like a bit of a hot mess well we still we still have corn to get to. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Talk about well, that. let's move on to I'll give away a little bit. I don't mind revealing my favorite section of the album. After we get through interlude three. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt. Did you have anything to add to Olympus get? You know, honestly, that uh, to find out they were the opener is a bit of a surprise. But then you kind of think about 98. You kind of think about what they were doing. You know, they'd probably already done Ladies Night in Cambodia already at that point. I would imagine. Um, so they're used to like having to bring it every time. So not a big surprise. Yeah. And I bet you there was probably some feeling of like orgy Limp Bizkit. They both have big hits right now. Could go either way. But imagine you're the concert goer and you've just seen Limp Bizkit. You've seen orgy. I'm thinking you're feeling pretty damn good about the ticket that you just bought. Mm-hmm. I, I think so. Absolutely. Hopefully. You haven't partied too hard because I think this is going to be my favorite section coming up as well, Jenny. (laughs) This is a good section. Uh, We're going to hear interlude number three, and then we're getting into the Ice Cube section where we get a Check Yourself remix, Natural Born Killers, and Straight Outta Compton, Fuck the Police. It's a powerhouse. really is. 90s were crazy. Okay, I heard what he said, but what the fuck did you say? Matt, have you ever heard this album before? This live record? Okay. Yeah. No. Okay, because this I to me is like, we must be I can recite this whole section to you. <laughs> For everybody in here, especially you, that said, fuck you, Ice Cube. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Come everybody, on. put your hands in the air like this. Put your hands in the air. Everybody, put your hands in the air like this. Yeah, yeah. Damn. What's up, dude? You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because I'm bad for your health. I can't put still. Dropping bombs on your mind. It's another one that's tough not to listen to the whole thing. Yep. Yo, New Orleans. 
When I look around, you know what I see? A bunch of natural born killers. Come on! This is one of the coolest. This is the coolest song ever. Fucking Ice Cube in '98. So good. Untouchable, this dude. God damn. You are now about to witness the strength of street Everybody, knowledge. Oh shit, I gotta find it, guys. Yeah, I gotta you do. find it. I gotta find it. You gotta find it. I would have lost my mind. This was uh, quite a show. Jenny, we'll start with you. You said this was your favorite section of the album. Yeah. After a while, I only listened to this section of the album. (laughs) It's so fucking good. I think that it is miles, like miles away better than the rest of this album. It's so fucking good. My mom (laughs) heard me listening to Fuck the Police from this album and got so not like like upset and when she was like fully mad but she's just Uh like you want to call your uncle jim and tell him fuck the police because my uncle jim is a cop that's a classic mom line and her dad her dad was also a cop so she's like you want to call uncle jim and tell him every day he puts his life on the line for no reason (laughs) and in my mind i was like yeah fuck uncle jim fuck the police (laughs) and to be completely honest, 
still have feelings it's, of fucking it's place. with me <laughs> i had jury duty last week oh i did not the, know that yeah i did and it was the the prosecution when i got up there i was so like i had a fucking like attitude with them because they're just like wow. how do you feel do you know police how do you feel about them i'm like i don't know man i was like very like standoffish it was weird, but I was like, wow, this sentiment is deep, deep within me. <laughs> oh, uh, what do you think, Lauren? Um, I also enjoyed this section a lot. Um, Check Yourself has, um, that's a song that my sister and I really liked when we were kids. Um, and so I've always loved that song. Um, Natural Born Killers, that's the one with Dr. Dre, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm like super familiar with that one, but I just love... Uh, you know, if you're a performer, you know, you've got to have your little bits of banter and just, I don't know, it just felt wonderfully, you know, just be like, looking around this room, seeing a lot of natural born killers. Oh, I know what song he's got to do. You know, that's great. Perfect stuff. And then to go into Straight Outta Compton, although it was very funny for him to be like, how many of you guys know about NWA? And I was just thinking, I mean, NWA is, um, I mean, it's only been eight years since they came out yeah but think about this crowd yeah that's true i was about to say like that's true that's true this is now for people who were really into corn and limp biscuit they would be able to draw the lines back easy but there was a lot of i mean i remember seeing a warp tour in 99 that was like kids saying rap is crap (laughs) yeah Mm, yeah uh, yeah, true. I remember like the the neighborhood that I grew up in, there was a lot of like people who really like rap and really like rock music too, and new metal. But I remember that like sentiment wasn't super widespread. Oh, yeah. And I also remember at this time there was like a rumor that they'd asked Rob Zombie to do this tour, and that Rob Zombie uh, didn't want to do it because there was a, a rap. There was like a rap act and he didn't want to perform. I don't I think that this rumor has been like said to be untrue, but I remember it being a thing that people were saying. Wow. Uh, I think that he was just too expensive. But that's what they were saying. Like he didn't want to do a show because like kids don't like rap or something like that. Well, according to Wikipedia, oh Rob Zombie was supposed to be one of the artists on the tour, but his high production costs uh would cost $125,000 in band fees and show production alone. So he couldn't be on the show. But the firm Corns uh, management said Zombie continually expressed dissatisfaction over not wanting to work with a hip hop hip hop act on the bill and supposedly lectured by Rob Zombie management that rock kids don't like hip hop. So I don't know if it was Rob Zombie or his management that was mm. like, mm. don't do the show. I feel that maybe that's just part of the era. The idea of, of that. I mean, I remember it being a very, I don't want to say revolutionary, but at least a, a, a left a left turn surprise move to have Ice Cube on this tour. Um, I, I Almost the same as when there was the Rage Against the Machine Wu-Tang tour, which everyone was just like, what? Rap? And rock music at the same time. Get the kids inside. I just wish Wu-Tang was better live. 
They're one of the most rough live shows I think I've ever seen. I I think there's in general a a live rap problem. Like there are people that have figured it out, but it's a it's a constant issue. I did speaking about once again, as we said, all of us have vocal coaches. I read an interview with Drake's vocal coach. And it was this woman, and she said the thing that she found is that a lot of rappers, they don't know how to perform live, and they have a mic, they are being projected out, but they yell anyway, and they blow out their voices. And that was a thing that I noticed even with the Ice Cube one. Ice Cube's pretty much all right, but his hype man is going, like, super hard, and I'm like, he's not going to have a voice left. And then even just looking at, like, Fred, who's, like, rapping and singing and screaming, and he's, yeah, he's got nothing left four songs in. Yeah, it's a constant problem. I mean, I've seen um, I've seen Jay Z a number of times. Most of the time, he sounds really good. But one time I saw him, and he, I think he was blown out by like the third track, and then he just kind of he sounded a little froggy uh, for a lot of it. Uh, I had something written in my notes that I wanted to throw at you guys. Is Ice Cube a papa? Hmm. You know, I consider Ice Cube. I consider him kind of a kind of a papa because I, I I think he's he's one of the ingredients that's for sure. I was thinking like in the same way that suicidal tendencies is kind of a papa, mm-hmm. you know. Where it's not, it's not as clear as rage, right? You know, but it's like a lot of those early hip hop songs were chopped up break beats from rock songs yeah mm-hmm. uh on the tape um ice cube performs check yourself it was a good day fuck the police and fuck dying which is a song with guitars by corn um which ice cube tells everybody at the top of the song he goes you might recognize this we got guitars from corn everybody who was heading to the bathroom went turn around we got some corn guitars um <laughs> So yeah, I think yeah this is a this is a really good part of the album. I do want to mention this was a big thrift. Uh, the C- Jenny, do you still have your copy? Of I do not. I do, do not. not. Okay, uh, I picked this one up from Eastocks underscore USA, aka the Declutter Store, for a sweet three dollars and ninety five cents. Oh and God, that cover! That it, fucking cover! Yes. Um, so this was one of my early um, early purchases from E-Stocks, and um, the jewel case was shattered. Wow. Um, it was really beat up. I was like, what are you doing over there, E-Stocks? We, uh, it's not much, soaked in urine. It was not soaked in urine, thankfully. We'll get, we'll get to some damage on a later episode. But yeah, this uh, front cover, very um, 50s all the band's names and their font. But yeah, this sort of, this is like first time together, all in person, a rock and roll extravaganza, obviously uh, a joke there. And then um, we have a picture of all the bands together in the inside, flicking off the camera. And uh, I did think it was interesting, you know, some people have given you an aggressive middle finger. Jonathan Davis seems to be doing sort of a playful double deuce. And then, over in the right-hand corner, it's Till and Richard Crespi from Rammstein. And they uh, – Till is, like, not having it. He's just like, I'm posing for this photo. 
I'm not going to smile, and I'm certainly not going to double deuce. And Richard Crispy is like arms crossed, like smiling, like this has been a fun couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging out with these guys. I ate a bit of ceiling. You know, it's just what what a time. In the back, you've got some double deuce action coming from some members of Orgy. Of course, you got a double deuce middle finger from Fieldy up there up front. Head deciding to not double deuce. Or not do I didn't think he's doing any middle finger. He's Zero deuce. Out. Zero deuce. Zero deuce. <laughs> Deuce um, less. And I know and then I noticed Wes is in the back with Sam Rivers, does not appear, appear to be double deucing. Um DJ Lethal, arm over the shoulder of head, given a nice deuce. Fred so. <laughs> wearing a fuzzy kangle hat. That's uh, his want. All right. Uh, all right. Now you know about all the middle fingers in these liner notes. That's right. Now you know some of the next people who are gonna be here. Up next, we've got Interlude number four, then we jump into our brief Rammstein section, which is just do host. Are you not entertained? <laughs> Here come some jizz cannons. Too late in it. I have to wait for wait, the drop. Hold on. Do a <laughs> I would go see Rammstein anytime. Same with same with me. They were just written up in the New Yorker about their go. new album. Mentions of many of their sold out North American shows. Till sounds very good here. Till Definitely as a vocal coach. I think he's got your vocal coach, right, Jenny? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great voice on that. Love the laugh. They sound live here. They don't sound super tight. There's a couple parts where it's a little out of sync, but it's like a live performance, you know. But yeah, enjoyable. Romstein doing Duhast. Great song. It's in the canon. Jenny, thoughts? Same. Same, same. Nothing much to say here or there. This was the tour where they got arrested for being naked except for i think it was till and uh no who was it that was in a wedding dress flake i believe flake yes they got arrested for being nude oh sorry uh yeah richard crusby was uh wore the wedding dress Mm -hmm. so that is on the tape 
uh, not them being arrested, but they're basically um, members of Corn are sort of talking about how it's BS that they got uh, in trouble for it. You do get a shot of all the members of the band basically greasing themselves up, which I, I assume was flame retardant. And but yeah, Richard is uh, wearing the wedding dress. Someone is wearing a diaper, which I believe is actually I think it was Till because I think that has the. Um, the bag with the fake ejaculate in it that's actually alcohol that he uses when he does Bukdish, which is on this tape, which if you listen to our first Rammstein episode and we have Matt watch a live performance of Bukdish, it is from this tape. I mean, Rammstein really, they seem like a bit of the odd men out on the video. There's a part early on where they're talking to do little mini interviews with the members of Corn and everybody and Limp Bizkit and everyone's like, yeah, we're just hanging out. We're having a good time and it's just a lot of fun. And then they cut to Flake. America censors us. They're cowards. American TV is full of way more violence than you will ever find in a Rammstein show if you want to see brutality. Turn on American television. That's like all subtitled. And it's like, and then, but in the middle of literally like, Fred Durst being like, yeah, we're just hanging out, having fun. And then like Corn's telling stories about Jonathan Davis biting everybody. And then it's like, yeah, here's here's uh, here's the Rammstein guys just dropping some some realness, some new German realness. Till and Flake. Just. Yeah. There is a personality relic, by the way. The guy who bites people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I knew a guy who bit people. Mm-hmm. He's like, I bite people. I was like, dude, fuck off. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. That but that's where it came from, I think. Jonathan Davis being like, I'm gonna bite you. I'm a naughty boy. Yeah, don't don't bite people. Don't bite people. I went to a party once with Rachel and this girl I knew was like, Oh, Lauren and Rachel here and she jumped up and she bit me. And it was the strangest moment, one of the strangest moments of my life. Because I was like, ow, what? What is going on? It was very unusual. And she's like, oh, sorry, I don't know what happened there. People have that personality where they bite people. Yeah. I, I don't know and what I it is. And I want nothing to do with this. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's something that I, I've never had time. Maybe when I was like, I might have bit people when I was really Well, little. like children bite each other. Right. Right. <laughs> Adults fucking talk <laughs> before they bite each other. They do, and then biting is is an option for later, right? When discussed, mm-hmm. surprise bites never fun. Get the fuck off of me! Surprise yeah. bites, surprise bites. Oh man, uh, surprise bites though. Really good band. Really good local. Great, band. great, great, great guys. Great guys. Jenny, your mom's friends with their tour manager, right? Yep, and I don't want to talk about how it became <laughs> okay. that way. Fair enough. That's actually where they got their name. But I did uh, get some <laughs> tickets for MP3s. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Uh, all right. Up next, we've got interlude number five, and that leads us into our longest section of the album here. We've got our corn section. That's going to take us to the shot liver melody, which is shoots and ladders. Uh, Justin, predictable, ball tongue, divine, and kill you. Then we get to fuller. And let me just be honest. Yeah, I'm, you're not going to hear all those songs. <laughs> No, you're not. No, you're not. Uh, we're going to get to longer versions of Freak on a Leash, Twist, and Chi, and then Got the Life. Let's take a listen. Got 
Is that the squelch of a bagpipe I hear in the distance? That would be correct, Matt. Buddy, go to 48 seconds. for David Snare. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> it is nearly all you can hear from the drums. David Snare is uh, as if Thor dropped his hammer on a, on a snare. 
but uh, then dropped feathers on everything else in his drum kit. It's literally the only thing I can hear. Yeah. Yeah, Jenny, what'd you think of the corn section? I thought it was fine. It's very long. It could have been an EP. It's, it's more than 20 minutes long. So <laughs> It's because they dropped that medley on there. Yeah, and the medley's kind of cool. It's fine. Um, but would you have been fine by... I mean, this is a 21-song. Granted, we have an intro and five interludes. Mm-hmm. So this is really 14 tracks. 13 would have been fine. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I needed um, the shot liver medley, but Corn gave it to you anyway, baby. That's because it was their tour, baby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and Daddy pays. Daddy does what he likes. Yeah. So I, I thought it was all right. I still think that by a very long shot, the strongest section on this album is the Ice Cube section. Um, but overall. To me, I guess we don't need to get into overall. Lauren, do you have more thoughts on the corn section? I'm sure you do. The The most striking thing for me was during the shot liver medley was the quality, the quality level from second to second once they started jumping between songs. So they do like four, almost four and a half minutes of shoots and ladders before they go into Justin, Predictable, Ball Tongue, Divine, and Kill You. And then each of those songs get between 30 seconds and a minute. Some of them, there isn't that much at all to them. Yeah, the difference between a track like Justin and a tra- and these other ones that are off of like the earlier the first two records, it's 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 like night and day. Like the jump between the jump from Life Is Peachy to Follow the Leader is so huge. Yeah, it's a little jarring in that aspect. Freaking Unleash, JD is doing his own backing vocals. That, that is was weird. interesting. Yeah, Head Monkey, what's going on, buddies? What's going on, guys? I had a very similar wonder. I was like, you can't go. So like, do I. I was like, nobody else, nobody nope. else can help out with this. Nope. Nobody else out? can. I always feel like. <laughs> so it, it, do I. Like, yeah. it's, it's not a hard part. No, this is interesting. On the on the tape, they do got the life, blind, Adidas, all in the family, children of the corn, and faggot. On the on the tape early on somebody's talking i think it's fred and he's like yeah you know everybody's here we're having a good time you know and it's like you've got romstein and they do a quick cut to romstein we've got orgy we've got limp biscuit the ice cube and of course we have corn and then they smash cut to jonathan davis going Fuck it! and it's like that's the cut you went with like of all the shots yep um in so, 1999 that is that the is cut the you cut went. <laughs> yeah um and i guess they also they did a halloween show and all the members of corn were dressed up like 80s metal people so jonathan davis was dressed up i believe like um uh, a member of motley Crue, and it looked like head was dressed up like uh, a matter i think he was dressed up like sammy hagar perhaps Hmm. um couldn't quite tell but um everybody was having a very good time with that one um twist into chi rumble and click baby my feelings on early corn remain unchanged um, and then, yeah, and then they do got the life fitting closer, send them out dancing a little surprised that blind didn't make the album, but, um, there you have it, Matt, any other thoughts? I, I felt like it was a good representation of style for corn. I mean, I, I've made fun of the mix for the drums, but all in all, it sounded, it sounded like corn, you know, like, absolutely. It's, it sounded 
And maybe that's to their benefit and to their detriment. Like, you'll notice that there's zero banter with Corn. Corn kind of doesn't fuck around live. Like, now having seen them live, they don't say a ton. You know, Jonathan did that one, like, let's get stupid tonight. I'm, I'm going to, let's act idiots. Let's act a fool. We're going to do yeah. a song that we never do. Mm-hmm. But there isn't a whole lot of muss or fuss with Corn. They're like, we're here. We're going to crush. We're going to go. Absolutely. Um, the big surprise from watching the tape, though, you guys, this is pre the bitch. Wow. That's right. They're with no bitch to guide them. This is what we get. Mm-hmm. Safe to say they've cleaned up their live act. Oh, their live them, act. They're very good. Very tight now. Yeah. Um, Matt, do you have any question? Do you have another question you want to ask? Um, is it time for cannon talk? On top of that, do you want to ask <laughs> how respectful of our time is? Oh, is? shit. <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, it's 66 I'm, minutes and 33 seconds. I had a feeling that this was not respectful of our time because it's a live album. It's pretty yeah. long. It's pretty long. Um, but yeah, but, now it is indeed. Oh, I'm sorry, Jenny. No, I was going to say we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the canon. Yeah, absolutely. Canon Jenny, talk. Why, Jenny, why don't you start? <laughs> I, I'm actually not really quite sure where I stand on this. Uh, to me, because I had it and listened to it, and it was a big part of my experience of new metal, um, I sort of just uh, nostalgically want to say yes. But the thing that I like most about it is Ice Cube, which is a distant papa at best. Um, there is not anything on this album itself that I think is something that you cannot miss in terms of new metal. The Family Values Tour itself, I think, is something that is significant in the history of new metal. So I I don't feel married to this, but I don't think I'd put anything in based on the criteria we've had for things in the past. Uh, Lauren, what do you think? You know, as a document of the time, it's very vivid. Watching the tape, especially watching the tape and listening to the album, like I'm back there. I'm back in '98. It's a real time warp moment. The album itself, though, is largely just okay. It's uh, nothing on it really transcends the album versions of any of these songs. Maybe some of the uh, some of the orgy ones are a little bit better, but not in such a way that I'm like, oh, you know, really upper echelon stuff. There's zero stage banter besides the Ice Cube stuff which I honestly would have liked more of. I would have liked a little bit more. I mean, I guess there's a little bit with Fred. And the Ice Cube part is obviously the most superior part of it, but it is not new metal. The best new metal moment for me on the album is Cambodia. But I don't know if I'd necessarily... I mean, that's just... I don't think that's, like, once again, essential. So, yeah, I don't really see any of this. I do want to present the idea, though, that the tape go in the new metal junk drawer. I having not seen it, but trusting you, I would support that decision. Tape goes in. The record doesn't need to go in, but I feel like we do need to do some kind of, and maybe it is the tape going in, but there is some caveat to this kind of being the first 
amalgamation of a new metal tour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, like there is something incredibly significant about family values that is very much of the time, mm -hmm. but at the same time. They did four more of these, didn't they? Like, how many? Uh, yeah, they did four more. Three of which um, they documented, and then one they were just like, "Yeah, we did it," but we didn't tell anybody about it afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> and and I remember at the time, family values seeming like it was a big deal, a huge deal. Like, I remember yeah. being pissed that my parents would not let me go. They were like, "Definitely not," and I was like. I am 14 years old. <laughs> you can't tell me what the fuck to do. Except for that they could, and they did. Mm. I think and they, they had did. every right to tell me. And, and you know what? It was well within their right to tell me to do so. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But it, it, it does feel like it's very significant. It's just that it might just, I don't know, can we, can we put an idea in the canon? Isn't the canon just an idea? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel like I feel like putting the tape in the junk drawer makes sense. I mean, it's not quite a curio in the way that some things are. And I think about you know videos we put into the canon, the voodoo video. So we have also at the same time though shifted over Fred Durst blowing up a boat. That's a new metal junk drawer. Then this, I think, would be in the same thing for me. We could see that might evolve over the t the course of time. Yeah, maybe. We have a whole summer tour to do. This is true. All right. Well, then there we have it. Right now, Family Values tape going into the new metal junk drawer. And that does bring us to the end of our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Keep on saying hello on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Send us an email, roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. Find everything Roach Coach at roachcoach.com. Of course, coach with a K. And until next time, Jenny, thank you. Lauren, thank you. Matt, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Get the fuck up!